With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. With the greatest respect, 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 you know, with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect to everyone, with the greatest respect, 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 with the greatest respect. With the greatest respect, with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect, with the greatest respect, that would be the focus. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. Proud to be a part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 181 and another busy week in the world of Southampton Football Club. 
up and down, to say the least. When we last left you, Jesse Marsh was to be interviewed for the vacancy. He did. It all went well. A verbal agreement had taken place. Then talks broke down over the length of the contract. Ruben Sellers took charge until further notice. Uh, and I, th- I think he'll be staying on just a tad longer because a win, a valuable win at Stamford Bridge. We'll discuss our, th- our thoughts and feelings over the manager situation and we'll go through Saturday's win at Chelsea. Uh, we'll also preview next week's six-pointer against relegation and managerial rivals Leeds United. Uh, so with me, as always, is the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton and T. Bizzle, Tim Bizzance. Uh But firstly, the Moscow Mush. Kevin, how are you? Yeah, well, it's been, it's been up and down, you know, like a fancy free kick. Muy bien, gracias. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, a bit, a bit up and down. Um, it t- tends to go with the football, doesn't it? But... <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that happens so it's often. It's just coincides. Mm. But yeah, I feel a bit hungover today. I think I went a bit, a uh, little bit overboard celebrating yesterday. I can't blame you, Kevin. You deserved it, and the, the whole city yeah, deserved it. Yeah, and a clean sheet as well. So yeah, let, let's celebrate, and we, we should hang on to this as long as we can. Um, I had a shit day yesterday, Kevin. I, I had no electric. Uh, it all went out about three hours before kickoff. Um, so yeah, I've had no power, no oh. heating. So, yeah, just an absolute piss well, take. I was, I was waiting for a punchline there. <laughs> no, no punchline. <laughs> no, no, no. Just That is genuine. I, know I had no electric. I had no means of getting onto the internet either. But, yes, um, if you're enjoying the show and you enjoy us, God knows why you would. Uh, but then please consider showing your support. Uh, you can visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Show your appreciation. And as I say, any donations will be greatly appreciated. Uh, and we have had a, a really, really nice donation this week. And we, we would like to welcome our latest member, AJ Reardon. Thank you so much for your donation this week. It means so much to us. So amazing. Yeah, AJ, you're, you're, a, you're a beautiful person and uh, obviously have a very good taste. Mm, indeed, yes. And speaking of good taste, uh, Tim Bizance. Yes, not the first American to pick Southampton, because I don't know if you know, but uh, the, uh, the Ant-Man, Bull Rudd, picked Saints this week as his team. So, yeah. Uh, well, I've gotten metaphorically or physically punched in the mouth. Uh, I got <laughs> implants uh, done on Friday. So my entire upper half of my mouth uh, alongside my nose is just completely swollen. And it's basically the equivalent of uh, what we did to Graham Potter this weekend. <laughs> so, uh, oh, not quite. What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, not quite, not quite that level, but uh, nonetheless, it definitely hurts. So, swelling and heavy pain, but it was calmed by the Saints' win. Very pleasant uh, day that we had. Unexpected as well. Best anesthetic you could ask for. Yes. Yeah, and on that, yeah, and it's another new era for Saints then. We've got no Nathan Jones, no Jesse Marsh. Ruben Sellers comes in and, well, for how long, we don't know. Uh, but he's certainly earned some time at least for an incredible victory and clean sheet against Chelsea. Um, so we'll head into the news and we'll discuss this further. This is ITN in that number news. Yes, that old adage, uh, it's a game of two halves. But in this case, it's been a week of two halves, really, because you only have to trawl through the news from the week and you see the stories go from bad to worse, to confusion, to disappointment, to hope, to elation. And 
truly is a club that has you up and down and there's no other club like it I'm sure of it there's no you won't hear that from any other fans other than Southampton fans but you know from that Wolves defeat you know Jones goes and, and the search began you know candidates like Gerrard and Lampard were thrown around we settled on Jesse Marsh now Jesse Marsh right I want to talk about him because it was one of those situations that for me personally I wasn't entirely happy with I, I think that was clear from our discord discussions in, in the early part of the week or last weekend, I, I didn't particularly want him, but I don't know. Saints always have have been a club that goes against the grain in terms of managerial appointments. You can look back to you know, to Adkins, to Pochettino, Puel, Pellegrino, Hasenhutl. I guess you can throw Jones in that too. Um, but then to go for a relegation rival's most recent sacking, and even now you you look and you can see Gerard and Lampard are amongst the favourites to, to take it full time. It, it, but it's nothing against. Marsh personally because I really like him um, and there's lots to like about him but when it was announced that he would be appointed I kind of like come to terms with it and I accepted it and then it was taken away and I felt worse I couldn't understand it I was yeah. up and down I thought I really it's like I'm missing something and I realized that he probably was the best option we had because he's such a nice guy and because I, you know you understand the way that he wants to play um, but that's how I feel about it and I'm just kind of left gutted now that he's not on the table. I think it was, you know, we just finished recording and that news came out that we mm-hmm. were in talks for him to be the next manager and I think your reaction was, for fuck's sake, or something along that line. Yeah, it yeah, just because, just because it was like the, the the only option that we had kind of thing and it was like, bang, there you go. That's the, that, that's the next best thing. It wasn't really necessary. I mean, anything's possible. You know, it wasn't the inspiring choice that uh, we, we were after. Obviously, another manager that's, you know, failed... Uh, quite recently, a lot's been made of that record that, you know, Saints have won two in the last 17 and Leeds sacked Jesse Marsh because they had won two in the last 17. So, yeah, it wasn't particularly exciting. But the more I looked into it, you know, that it, he comes from that same school of uh, football, RB model like Ralph. Yeah, but and also so Ralph failed at this club. Yeah, you know, we got found out a little too often. Uh, the end of last season, uh, beginning of this season with Ralph. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, the whole club is, is built around Ralph Ball. So I can definitely see the logic. And I was kind of just warming to the idea. And, yeah, like you said, when it, when it got taken away, uh, <laughs> you don't know you don't know what you haven't got until it's gone. Well, it's a bit of an insult, really, because, you know, oh... I don't know if the, the rumours are true, but apparently we've uh, we spent eight and a half million on that ridiculous gambit with uh, with Nathan Jones, mm. and we were offering Jesse Marsh just to the end of the season. You know, you'd think that you'd give him next season as well, whichever league we're in. It's not his fault if we get relegated, even if we lose every game from now until the end of the season. So yeah, to not offer him next season, mm. I think it's a bit of an insult and I don't blame them for taking us down. Well, I mean, just playing devil's advocate here, I mean, you could argue that it might have been a smart move from Sport Republic, not willing to put all their eggs in one basket again, because they did it with Jones and they want to play more conservatively, give him a short term deal, and don't forget he'll probably get bonuses on Premier League survival and then extend it if and when he achieves that. On that, does Marsh really have the right to demand more? After what's you know happened to him recently, uh, you know if, he's, if he signs sense. a three-year deal and he can't keep us up, what does that do for his own stock and Sport Republics? It's just it's I don't know about I don't know about a three-year deal, um, but you know you gave Nathan Jones a three-year deal and he was an absolute nobody. 
And, uh, you know, Jesse Marsh is, is, is proven at least at some level. I think it's a bit of an insult to him to, to not give him next season. Because I think he'd be, um, if we do go down, he'd be a great option to, to rebuild the squad in the championship, gain that confidence and come back stronger. Would Jesse Marsh feel that he should be a Premier League manager, though? Does he feel that if they do go down, that he'll just jump ship straight away and go to the next option, maybe go to a Burnley or, or something? Not saying that Vincent Company's in trouble or anything, but or anyone that's just gone up that he might feel like he wants to, you know, try his luck with, with a Premier League team. He feel like he's earned that. I mean, I, I don't know. I, we don't know what happened in this in this interview and. To have a verbal agreement in place at first, surely the, the, the contract must have been on the table right at, the, at those initial meetings. So how it broke down, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's more to it than what we're getting. Yeah. I mean, you know, the minimum has to be 18 months. It's ridiculous. To, sure, but it, it's it not is uncommon, is it, to get a contract for a club in this position? We've seen it so many times before. Those, you know, those relegation experts, as it were, like Sam Allardyce, they just they just sign. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They just sign those six month contracts just and they get bonuses. You know, you probably get like a five million pound bonus if you keep that team in the Premier League. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, Sam, I, Jesse Marsh is not big Sam, and you know the when Sam Allardyce, it was it's only really Sam Allardyce that we can talk about in in that, in that respect. And well, I mean, uh, at the moment, they were much Roy, bigger Roy clubs, Hodgson, you know, like West West Ham, Everton, Roy Hodgson. Yeah, wasn't he brought in at uh, Crystal Palace at a point to save them? And how long did he stay on for? Longer than he probably should have done. <laughs> But that's that's my point. Like Jesse Marsh comes in and, and keeps Saints up, then give him a give him a two year extension. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I, accept the argument that he did that at Leeds. It wasn't, you know, they they weren't in the position that we are now when he took over at Leeds last season. No, I get that. And by uh, by the way, firefight manager. I'm not backing Sports Republic's uh, reasoning to, to to not go ahead with this. By the way, I'm not. Saying it was the right decision, I do think they should have offered him. I'm just, I'm just trying to make make an mm, argument you're here. Like, like I said, yes, yeah, so I don't want people to think that I'm I'm totally out on Marsh. Now, Tim, I know that you're you're a big fan of Marsh because of his nationality as well. Um, but and I mean, who doesn't? Who, yeah, who doesn't like uh, a bit of uh, Ralph Ball from time to time when it's working? Um, so what what are your thoughts on um on this Jesse Marsh situation, Tim? Oh, well, I'm going to put the homerism aside uh, and talk about, so Jesse Marsh left Leeds after about a year or so there at 17th place. And so they felt it was time. He was time for him to go. And so the uniqueness of the timing is probably what is, was actually a, probably a detriment to us in this case. Um, One of the things considering is uh, he, hasn't finished out what the compensation package is at Leeds if he was fired just seven days prior. So looking at that, what's going to happen and how would that affect his compensation is also a part of it. Secondly is Mm. if he feels like that if he goes like he bring, he comes in, he gets into the team and then they go down. What are his long-term prospects? So I think he's doing himself, what he should be doing now, I'll be talk about Saints in a second, but he is rather than jumping into a new situation right away, says, let's pump the brakes. Let's see what goes. Let's see what happens into the, the off season. And he can reevaluate things because he's still getting paid by leads and he doesn't have to make a rash decision. 
Now, if he's one of those managers where he has to be working all the time and he wants to just bounce between uh, from job to job to job, it doesn't sound like that. I think he he for himself made the right choice. Now, for the club, I think the club understands that, one, they have thought of him as high regard because of the team uh, in which he put he's previously managed. So the Red Bull, the Red Bull setup, similar to Ralph. And his setup is basically a more positive, but maybe less tactical manager than what Ralph was. So all in all, I think it was a little bit of a downgrade, but it would make sense because for the continuity purposes. Now, the last piece of it, though, is what is the length of the deal? And for the club, it makes sense that they'd want to only sign him for the remainder of the season. And it makes sense for Jesse to turn that down because he wants a longer term. Uh, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna bring Jesse in, you needed to bring him in at a minimum of an 18 month, meaning through the end of the following season with a club option after that, even be the first time for him to consider it. Now, you would you'd think and you'd want him for the long term, and he didn't feel that it was comfortable for long term. The Saints didn't want to commit to it, and there's the impasse. So in this situation. It all makes sense. I think that now hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can see how Ruben Sellas is, seems to be loved by the team and also appreciated and was just very successful here against Chelsea. So the cumulative feelings of all of it in such a short time span makes sense, and I'm really happy that they attempted, they tried, and uh, hopefully, you know, pending how this off this goes into everything with the off season. Um, Maybe Sellers doesn't stick around. I, I think he'd be a good manager at Saints uh, in the future. I wonder how much of this is based on his family as well, because I don't know about you know, his wife and his, and his he's got three kids, I believe. I don't know if they, they came over here to Leeds with him. And apparently he hasn't gone back to the States, has he? So apparently he's still over here. So if he is planning on staying here and moving his family over, then surely he wants that security of a longer deal. He doesn't want to keep signing these six months deals and then moving on again for, for his family's sake as well. So is that a factor, do you think, Tim? Yeah, there's I mean, there's also it's a personal interest, too. Where does he where does he want to be? And I think that he felt at home when he was there at Leeds. And then he recognized that, you know, he you know, he was there at Salzburg for a few years. Then he got uh, he got pumped and dumped at uh, at um, Red Bull Leipzig, mm. and then came over to Leeds. And now he's been bouncing around. So he does need to consider all those personal things. With the six month deal, I think it was a smart choice for him in, on a personal level to not take it. Yeah, and I'm quite gutted about it now, too, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, I, I take back everything I said about him because he just seems like a nice guy and I really wanted him at my club just yeah. just, just for that reason. And, and, and so, Do you know, Kev, he's, he's 49 years old and at the age of 44, he learnt German and now he's a fluent speaker. So I've yeah. seen, well, I wouldn't say flu, a fluent speaker. Have you seen him? Um, no, I haven't. Broken German oh, but fair play to him. For someone, for, some, for someone to come ahead and do something like that at that age, he tried. How many people that speak English go abroad and learn the language and do it, it, it you know, at, at a success? Look at Steve McLaren. Look at David Moyes. Gary Neville never, never even attempted to learn Spanish. It doesn't happen, does it? You don't get English-speaking people going. That's not go, true. Um, Apart from Gary you, Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've seen him um, interview, uh, talking to Diego Maradona in Spanish. Wow. Okay, I take that back. Wow. There's quite a few more. Wow. Okay. 
But anyway, I thought it was quite good. I was quite impressed with it anyway. It, you know, if I'd have been... I know, I can just imagine like... him going up to Bella Kopchak and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, spreken to you. Spreken and Deutsch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hit, um, hit, hit the foosball. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I liked it anyway when I read it. I did, I've not heard any interviews yet, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do that now. Um, but I want to talk about... I'll stick sport... out the video for you. Yeah, please, please do that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about Sport Republic in general, because if you look at it on the whole, this this has been a massive fuck up, hasn't it, on their behalf? You know, from from sacking Ralph until now, it's just been off off brand. I don't know. Um, the, the, you know, the Jones appointment, the length of his contract, paying off his contract, not appointing Marsh on the long term. Where's their head at? Because I, I don't know what their plan is, because I feel that they're kind of admitting they made a mistake with the Jones contract length. In doing so, they're making another by not giving the same to Marsh. But if you look at the numbers from Jones, as you said, Kev, they're paying him like just under eight and a half million for 94 days. And you, you're breaking oh, that. You break yeah. that down to Half of that million. goes to Luton. Yeah. Okay, but, but you're breaking that down to 1.2 a year over the well three and a half years that he got. But we paid it off in full just to say, you know, cheerio. And yeah, you said Luton, you'll be giving Luton four million to pay off pay him out of that contract. Luton Town are laughing at us. Jones may have had his pride wounded, but, I mean, he gets his money and he'll walk away from a toxic situation and look for a new job. I mean, even if he doesn't, he could just retire to his mining village and marry a nice Welsh girl with the millions in his account. And meanwhile, Sport Republic, like absolute jokes, forking out eight million quid for nothing and still not being able to secure the man that they wanted. So what? What? what's... You know, that they have to play things conservatively now, don't they? Because they're wasting money. It seems silly that, you know, you can get once bitten and then twice shy. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Ruben Sellers is going to be in the job for as long as it's viable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, if he can get us to the end of the season, you know, whether we go up or down and then they can assess their, their options, you know, what kind of manager they want to get uh, next season. Yeah, I can understand them, you know, not wanting to to rush into it, but at the same time, I mean, our, our predicament is still exactly yeah horrific. Yeah, and and speaking of Ruben Sellers, I mean, how would you feel about him taking on the role? Because role, because I mean, I, I sense a lot of fans were reserving judgment until that Chelsea result, which is kind of unfair, but because that you know that'd be difficult for any manager in the world to organise in a short amount of time, and I, I don't know if, if we lost to Chelsea it's easy for the fan base to get riled and say, we, we, we need to appoint an experienced manager now to get us through this. You win against Chelsea, which is, of course, what we did. And he's a hero. And rightly so, because he's fantastic. What a job he's done. And, and he deserves that leeway. I mean, what more can that man personally have done in the short time that he's had? He, he goes and takes charge of a team. His first team goes to Stamford Bridge and gets the three points. Players seem happy. They looked happier in training as well. They look happier on the field. And I, I get the feeling that they want to play for him. He seems like a mate as well, which which is great. But he's always, you know, he's got their respect. But then I, I keep thinking, well, if you go and lose to Leeds next week, where does that leave him? Because arguably he'd be under more pressure at Allen Road, won't he, surely? Um, yeah, we we'll just have to see where we are next week. I mean, you can't, after a performance like that, you can't, you know, effectively sack him off by hiring a new manager after a performance like that. Um, I think he's just got to stay on a game-by-game basis. I mean, you really, you really you get the Solskjaer effect where mm. um, him not knowing whether he's got the job permanently or not leads leads him to perform better than 
uh, if he had the security of knowing the job's his. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because that, I mean, as soon as Solskjaer signed that deal, United went tits up, didn't yeah. they? And then, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just just keep it like this then for a minute. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> well, that's not um, An- uh, Ankerson's motto, is it? I think it's, no. what is it? If it if it isn't broke, break it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's his motto. Um, and Tim, I, I saw a Daily Echo piece from um, from Benji about the, the style that he'll adopt on this interim basis. And it draws a lot of similarities with Ralph and, and it's something that the players know well. Um, and he has said in his press conference, the togetherness, compactness, you know, and process. Um, do you see this similar style uh, to Ruben Seles and Ralph Hasenhoel? Uh, I saw bits and pieces of it today. Mm. And so we'll go into the game and be able to really cover uh, what it, what it's all about. Um, but I think Ruben Seles went back to basics in setting up the lineup, setting up the idea of wh- how he wants to play mm. and ultimately goes back to a formality that isn't extremely intricate with this five at the back and rolling, you know, a, a right, you know, a, a fullback as a right center back and in, in, in movement pieces. It just wasn't the, wasn't the best for it. So he saw what was best, what he sees at the baseline, uh, not necessarily managerial level, but a coach's level. All right. So this is, this is a formation. This is what's successful. Let's put the pieces in there with what is necessary to make this baseline simple formation work. And that is his intention. That sounds um, so simple when you say it like that, Tim. Oh, it's but it's it, it's simple in practice, but it's it, it you know it's it's easy to understand it as a baseline, but to become a master of the craft is where it takes years and years and years of experience. Um, so with him, I think that right now he's the best option for us going forward. Yes, we've also been able to see that he has won the game against them. But for a continuity purpose, I don't think a manager coming in at this point in time, unless it's literally Ralph, would come back in and make a bigger difference than what Sellers could. Um, Sellers is still going to be here, though, if, he do, if we do get a full-time manager. Sellers is there to back up. I don't think you're going to have a manager over top of him coming in and shaking things up again to try and make it work. Now, it's not my money, so but it's my it's the team that I care about. So I guess it's, I don't care that he's, you know Nathan Jones. Yes, we spent four million dollars to get him away from Luton. We spent four million dollars on his salary over a three year that's period. That's pounds. That's pounds, not dollars. Okay, well, either way, um, it's still not my money. So, yeah. and yes, because it's pounds, your the dollar there is better than here, or the pound there is better than the dollar here. Uh, ultimately, right now, what do you need? You need a hype man who can go back to basics and get the team behind him. So that's what's truly needed in a relegation battle, which isn't something that may be truly that we've been able to, we've been experiencing since the uh, the Mark Hughes uh, time where you need the emotion and you need the emphasis of um, care, desire and love, which Nathan Jones was off the rails by the end of it all. And <laughs> Ralph is just kind of, uh, you know, a, a ho-hum type of person and can be kind of that grumpy Austrian uh, stereotypical guy where if you're going to get this really charismatic, genuine, snazzy-looking guy coming in, talking all the right things, saying all the right things, the team is already behind him, 
let's do it. Let's get yeah. on the uh, the Ruben Sellers train and uh, let's get the let's get ourselves to safety. Yeah, and you know, of course he wants the job. He said that, and he, he believes himself capable, which is nice. And he's already integrated, isn't he? He already has that relationship with the players. And and if this was an audition, he's passed it with flying colours. And you know, he, he did have one match in charge before um, this season. Actually, the penalty shootout went over Sheffield Wednesday. Not quite as impressive. But, you know, there was less time. And, and let's not forget that he only came in over the summer. So he didn't really know. He didn't really know it as much as he does now. So he's, he's in a much better position. And I think the fans are falling for him already. And, yeah, he just seems like a cool dude. And I love that turtleneck. He's got a 100 percent record. though. He does have a 100 percent record. So, yeah, you can't complain. <laughs> we, I think us as a panel, then, I guess we're quite happy for, for Sellers to take over. Uh, for 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 now and we like Kevin said yeah just uh, d- game by game basis let's um let's keep him on his toes let's not give him that contract because he'll get that security and feel like that it's not as important so yeah keep him where he is um loanies uh, there's not a lot of loanies news really this week there's nothing worth noting anyway a lot of them played but you know nothing of note apart from um Kasima Legby he he scored in uh, Cruz uh, sorry, Harrogate Town's 2-2 draw with Crew, so that's nice for him. He's uh, he's getting there with them, getting more game time. Uh, and a birthday this week. I don't know if you saw this. You probably would have seen this, guys, because it was um, it was Valentine's Day. It was Tuesday the 14th. Kevin Keegan. It was his birthday on Tuesday the 14th. How old is Kevin Keegan? 62. 48. My goodness, he's 72. That, that, that was, this is a bad one. Yeah, bad, bad one. I think he was playing for Saints at 42. <laughs> no, not quite. Um, Yeah, uh, B team. They haven't played since the last time we recorded. Uh, their next match is on Monday, the 20th of February, and that's West Brom away. Uh, and that is a seven o'clock kickoff. Uh, the women's championship game. Oh, they played uh, Sunderland whilst we were recording last week. I think we did say that, that you know, they won one nil and they, they did. I just want to. Clarify, yeah, it was um, Katie Wilkinson with the goal in the 79th minute. So that's that's nice. Um, and then that next match is uh, Charlton away. And that's Sunday, the 5th of March. Uh, under 18s, uh, Saturday, they played Saturday at, uh, at Staplewood against Spurs and they lost 1-0. So not great news for them. Uh, and they play next Saturday on the 25th against West Brom also uh, away. Now, uh, before we, we go into it, I just want to say how saddened that well, we were to hear of the passing of Christian Atsu from, from the Turkey earthquake. The whole situation over there is, is just dreadful and thoughts with his family and friends. Uh, and also a speedy recovery for Cesar Azpilicueta because, yeah, that was that was bad yesterday. So best wishes yeah, to him. Yeah. Um, and last we heard on that, the, the, the news that's, that's been out there is that he's uh, undergoing treatment and he was conscious and chatting to friends and family. So that that's good news. OK, so Chelsea then. <laughs> Unbelievable, really. A crucial, crucial win. It's unbearable as well with all that injury time because of the uh, Azpilicueta injury. Forgive, uh, if I'm wrong, forgive me. Was it 12 minutes injury time they put on? Yeah. Plus. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, we got there. Uh, three Big points. It feels like a lot more than that, though. Uh, do you know it's the first double over Chelsea since 1987-88? That's a long time ago. Um, and a fresh-faced 17-year-old by the name of Alan Shearer, uh, you may have heard of him, he made his senior debut on that day. So, yeah. And <laughs> this makes up 33% of our total points this season. 
against Chelsea. Yeah, a special win. Clean sheet also, as I said, the first in 29 Premier League games. Team selection. These team selections seem to be getting more and more anticipated. Every time that there's a new game that comes out, I keep thinking, what are they going to do? What's he going to do with this? You know, with the new signings, with the new managers. And it, yeah, it just this was no different. Um, but he made three changes, Kev. We had no no silly suit, no Brie. Stuart Armstrong is back. ABK is back. Elianusi comes back also. Everyone seems to love him. Um, Alcaraz dropped to the bench. Kev, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't entirely pleased to see some of those. And actually, you were bang on, as usual, with the you know James Breer mission. But were you surprised by Alcaraz and, and Elianusi? Um, A little bit, but, you know, our squad's so big. You know, we've had, what, 40 players uh, over the course of the season so far. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I think it's maybe just under 38, 39. But, yeah, shitload of players. So, you know, people are going to be left out. Uh, that's just the way our squad is, you know, especially with these new signings that we got in January. Yeah, I mean, leaving Alcaraz out, I suppose, you know, a um, bit of bit of a shock. And uh, the fact that Elianusi and Bednarik, yeah, not particularly popular with the fan base. Maitland-Niles yeah. too. But you know, Maitland-Niles. I mean, who else are you going to have? And we don't have any other fullbacks that are <laughs> Leanko uh, and, and capable. Um, you know, it's not a bad option, I suppose. Kyle Walker-Peters was on the bench, wasn't he? So he, he's coming back. Yeah, again, strange. Like, yeah, if, you're, if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you should really be fit enough to be on. And he didn't even come up, did he? He didn't, no. I think it was a worst-case yeah. scenario, maybe. If there was a red card or something, then maybe, you know, shore it up a little bit, bring on a defender that just needs to ease his way back in. Maybe that's that, that was his thinking. I just wanted to mention that, um, yeah, apparently Salisu and Adams, uh, they picked up a knock-in training. Uh, that's why they were left out of the squad. Yeah, Tim uh, dropped the back three. Uh, it looked like a 4-2-3-1, hence no room for Alcaraz. It's funny because we were saying last week that if something should stay from the Jones debacle, it'd be the midfield three of Prousey, Lavi and Alcaraz. And, and straight away, Sellers has dropped that. Yeah, seeing all that, uh, once I said going back to basics, what's the most basic formation you can think of in, in, four, in four, the game? Two. It's a 4-4-2, straight line, you know, pull, push the wingers up when you can, get the midfielders running, getting some overlaps if they want, and just all in all looking uh, looking as basic as possible. So to me, uh, I recognize that Bednarik would have uh, not probably started because he started on the left side alongside Salisu. Uh, well, Salisu would have started alongside mm. uh, Belikovchev. Yeah. So to me... Uh, I think that was the reason why Bednar started. So I'm going to give that one a pass. Secondly is Kyle Walker-Peters injured, but I think that it's a little surprising if he, if, once again, if you're injured, you know, you can't go for a full, maybe if you didn't want to go for a full 90, but he wasn't ultimately used as a sub. So that was a kind of a challenging and kind of a unique thing. Not sure what's coming about from it. And then he decided to play Maiton Niles over Bree. So all in all, I'm going to give that one a pass too. Uh, Belkacha makes sense. Perot makes sense. And the 442, uh, bringing back Stu was the best part of all, of all of this. As seeing him get back in and playing a good solid 60 minutes, I was <laughs> so happy to see. Me and then, too. Uh, yeah. And then a baseline 442 with Lavia sitting behind while allowing Ward Prowse to run up further and be more of a box and much more of a box to box. Uh, I think that 
it ended up kind of being more like a diamond. So if you look at the heat map, you'll see that uh, Ward Prowse is much further up the field than than Lavia is. And then Elianusi, who consistently seems to be starting regardless of any of the managers, he started under all three managers now, um, mm. once again plays the position and does everything right except for what you would think of as like the pizzazz or the kind of the, the makeup necessary to play that. And then all and then the last thing is let's let's go with the simplest thing you can possibly do. Get a really, really, really fucking big guy up there and hoof it to the guy and then get a really, really, really fast guy to run right behind him and right take a look at it and be that kind of the backup or that second striker. It's that's that type of setup is so basic that it basically was my high school. Uh, it was like my high school lineup. Uh, it, it all makes sense. And like I said, I think Salisu would have started. And I think um, on watch, I think Adams would have been on the bench uh, for him instead of somebody. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate that Alcaraz being is that eight, six, eight, ten, you know, he, he's kind of that midfield three. He's the one who's left out because of the because of the drop. It's a real shame, isn't it, for him? Because you, you look at the, the midfielders, the, the, the central ones, that Prousey and Lavia, both of those guys are fantastic. They're probably the best players for us this season, uh, consistently, uh, even though Prousey dropped off at the start of the season. But he seems to be, you know, he, 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 there's more pluses to his game now than, than minuses. And Lavia's just been incredible. The great, great, great signing. Uh, and Alcaraz is going to miss out because of that. It's just that our, our midfield is so loaded um, which is not a bad thing. But also, we didn't even talk about the the Croats not making the make, not even making the bench. Chaletasar and and Orsic, yeah. I, it's, it's strange, very very strange this one. What do you mean by that? Get the sense that there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Orsic. I don't think he's. Are they saying that he's injured? No, they're, they're not saying anything. I've heard anything about injury. Uh, mm. Okay, that's that's probably why then, because yeah, I've heard that he's not settled, and I don't think. Put it this way, if Saints stay up or go down, I'm pretty sure that Orsic won't be a Saints player next season. Uh, there's, yes, yeah, there's, he came straight from Croatia, didn't he? Mm, I, don't, I don't think it's all rosy there, from what I'm hearing. I don't want, as I say, I don't really want to say anything else on it, because I don't want to speculate. And I, he started in that B team. I'm guessing it all started from that. Kevin, I want to talk about the start of the game then, because it, it, it was good. It was a great start, in fact. And there was desire, because... I, Ruben Sellers, he, he didn't go with the back five or the back three or whatever. He didn't want to sit back. He wanted to go for it. So that sh- showed the desire. He went basic, as Tim had said, as basic as we could possibly go. Um, but we created some chances. And that's not... An, um, I don't want to put this narrative on Chelsea not playing very well. I'm not taking their chances at the moment because we were creating chances and we didn't create a single chance against, well, against Nottingham Forest at home. That rings a bell. But we did here. And created those early chances. I mean, Sulemana had a chance. Uh, Stu almost opened them up as well straight away. So it was it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of chances early on, but I the that first half was really scrappy, wasn't mm. it? Um, oh, it? I don't wasn't mind that. The spectacular of matches. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know if you can survive to half time, then reassess your options. Then, but yeah, I mean, just lots of lots of fouls. Um, still playing quite a few longish balls that um you know didn't find a Saints player. Um Ruben Sellers effect, but, right? Just trying to get the ball up to one who actually. 
Um, well, I mean, you know, with a big guy like that, you, you know, you can't can't blame him for going for that strategy. Target um, man, yeah, yeah. Had a surprisingly high. I think it was pretty much even on possession, wasn't it, in that first half? It was fifty-one forty-nine. Wow. To, to yeah. us, yes, it was yeah. ridiculous. I did That's not great. expect that. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, we were def- definitely giving it to them. Um, yeah, I think you know when the expectations um, are low like that, uh, you can definitely take advantage. And um, well, Chelsea definitely weren't taking advantage of us. No, and I mean, I- I've spoken to a few Saints fans after the game, like I always do, and a lot of them have said the same thing. Actually, um, nice to see Stu back in the team. Uh, it came off the bench, of course, last week yeah. for, for, for a few seconds, but uh, straight in the Sellers team, which is lovely because he wasn't, I don't know, I thought he wasn't a favourite under Jones, but Jones had said that he was playing with a with an injury, so he was like 80%. Um, they got it sorted, obviously, straight back in, and, and, and Sellers seems to love him as well, which is nice. Um, and I'm looking course, fit in every sense of the word. Uh, we, absolutely, yeah. Um, and he won the free kick for Prousey, so that was his gift to coming back to the team. He was just like, yeah. I'm going to give you this, Prousey, and we're not going to pass it this time. I'm going to have a shot and see what happens. I was, I was basically the last kick of the first half, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I really didn't think he was going to score it from from that distance. Why did you think he was and, going to pass uh, it again? Um, I don't know. It just looked a bit too short for you know that classic James Ward Prowse territory. You know, I think a few few yards more, and he would have been able to get to the bend on it. But um, wow, I mean, what a hit. And it just sort of gave the Chelsea ball a, a haircut. And then because <laughs> it's such a short distance, by the time it comes back over the wall, um, yeah, Kepa's got no chance of getting to him. Do you know what's great about football that I, I still love to this day? And it, it just it gets me every single time. There are certain things that you can watch over and over and over again. And it gets, I don't know, it just gets you every single time. It will never die. I've seen this goal now. God knows how many times I've just rewound it back and just watched it again and again. Every single time it gives me goosebumps. It's just amazing. That's what's great about football. You can see goals from the past and it happens so, so much. And with a goal like that, oh God, I was just so, I just to, to have been there for that moment, to have been with the fans and yeah, just incredible. And 17 free kicks now. Yeah. It's one one behind Beckham. Beckham. Yeah. He's going to do it this season, mm. isn't he? He's going to do it. He's got to get two more. Um, just two more, yeah, and then, then we get relegated. <laughs> we'll lose <them> forever. <laughs> uh, man, but no, I, see, I know what you mean about the the free kicks. They're, they're kind of they're very gifable, aren't they? It's yeah. Just, you know, a few oh, exactly. Yeah. Some of them just defy the laws of physics, like that Wolves one, for example. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Outside of the boot, no, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a goal and, and what a moment. And like I said, I'd love to have been there. Um, but also, if you, <laughs> Tim, if you look at uh, Kovacic's view, I love it because they do this thing where they lay down behind the wall to stop the low shot going underneath and all that. So he's facing the I'm goal. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't know when he's going to take it. All he sees is Kepa diving and the ball rippling the net. It's just, yeah, it's great, Tim. Yeah, it gave, it gave the whomever it was, and you could you could see in the uh, in the wall the guy the guy on the far left edge, and that was Kubayali or who I can't think who who it was. But the one who was laying down was Kovacic. Um, oh well, Kovacic, yeah, but I'm t- uh, the, the guy that's standing up on the left edge of the wall. He Kulabali, oh, like, yeah, yeah, Kulabali. He knows where he's like. Okay, I gotta get this. I gotta get this, and he puts it just above it, and it's so crazy because. From that distance, he, the up and down is just, I, I mean, the top spin on it, uh, unbelievable. Like a golfer 
coming out like a like a with a sand wedge coming out and trying to yeah. backspin it. Unbelievable, and he gets and it's so low then too, meaning in yeah, so, it's not it it's not in the so top low. corner, is it? It's not yeah, it's, it's yeah. not the top corner because we've seen a few of them where he like it'll hit the back it'll hit the back of the net square in the back uh, square in the back of the net where this one it really just I mean it hit the ground before it even hit the back of the net so. <laughs> Thinking about that, I mean, I was I was yelling and I was like, Abby, you got to come see this. And she was right around the corner and she's like, yep, this is going to score. And all in all, it was right there. It was beautiful. It was perfect. And uh, my friend asked me, he's like, oh, how do how do you guys score? And I just put down there control C, control V, James Ward Prowse, because <laughs> copy paste James Ward Prowse, typical free kick goal. Yeah. And you, you the you know we were holding ourselves in there and we didn't, it, we weren't even looking terrible too. That's the thing. It's like, and then all of a sudden you, you get the magic of, uh, magic of, uh, of him. And, and here we are for end of the first half and looking, looking good time good. to score. Good time to score. Yeah. And again, I'm going to go back to that Wolves game. James Ward Prowse had two opportunities from free kicks and passed on them both. And I'll say it again, you know, that was that a clear indication of, of Jones. Uh, we lose to 10 men Wolves being a goal up. Surely, you know, Jones will have to leave then, won't he, if we don't get this in. Um, this was this was Jones's free kick plan off the training ground and it didn't work. Sellers comes in and Prousey lets fly. Yeah, <laughs> we want to win and give it to Sellers, don't we? So that's that, that's that's it. That's what it was just. Yeah, a great, great, great time to score and the perfect way to do it. It's um, it's the narrative on Chelsea, though, isn't it? Because they're, they're struggling to score at the moment, despite all the money that they've spent or well squandered uh, and and graham potter's under pressure and but they did have their chances and but they just couldn't tuck them away and that comes down to them not not being confident i guess and it comes down to a lot of good defending a lot of good goalkeeping um mount mr header which was nice um because we don't like mason mount um and it uh, kind of, did you see that ban they had at the beginning of the match oh i did actually yeah i can't remember what it said but <laughs> To say so about Mount. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, we don't want to see that. But gutted. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can't go first to City next season. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it kind of sums them up recently, doesn't it? But but I, again, I don't want to make it on them because our defending was excellent at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just doing the simple things uh, and yeah, Perot um, blocking that Sterling header off the line. Oh, incredible yeah he was so fired up about it but that, you know those are the kind of basics that we just haven't been doing recently and yeah. you know when you when you do the basics properly uh you know luck falls on your side and and you, know, you get results like this absolutely yes and uh tim uh, ralph was criticized for not making substitutions early enough and not be having the the, the, the in-game management uh, but, well, even Nathan Jones, I mean, I guess you could say his management or his, his tactics weren't great. I mean, you can take a look at that Wolves game for that, you know, being up a man and, and not doing anything about it and letting them attack you. Uh, but Sellers made a triple change on the hour. Uh, Stu went off. I, I, You know, you can't really blame Stu just coming back in 60 minutes, is probably what he was promised anyway. Um, Onuachu and Suleiman also come off and Adam Armstrong, Mara and everyone's favourite Theo Walcott comes on. What did you uh, what did you make of that, Tim? I thought they were shit. 
Uh, I now I get taking Stu Armstrong off. So whom is probably you know thinking Walcott, and I've been shitting on Walcott since uh, well since we probably we were si- we signed by him. In fact, I think I nominated him as the worst thing of last year um, mm, was signing him yeah. to a permanent deal. Oh. So all in all, uh, I'll eat my words on that one uh, because ultimately though. You know who? You know bringing in who did we bring in? So we brought in Mara, Theo Walcott, and then Adam we brought Armstrong. in Adam and Adam Armstrong. So I think they're a worse version of all three of the players that were on the on the pitch. Is who we is who we brought on. Um, <laughs> now what what did we need? Well, Stu Armstrong needed to come off. He had a, he was on a yellow card and hasn't been fully match fit. Um, and then I thought Paul Tall Paul had a fantastic game. Up top now, it, can he can he roll the entire ninety minutes uh, being up top and being that target man? I mean, he was getting pummeled left and right. Uh, Fofana was really, 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 really doing well towards the end. So um, you know, and Badia Shield was also up against them. So that height there, uh, you know, I understand. You know, taking him off, and then the only person that we have, we don't have Adam, so it's Mara that comes on, and then Sulemania. Uh, did a decent job overall. Um, I think outside of that first, in the first 10, 15 minutes there where he had the through ball, um, he, he didn't do a whole lot, but definitely caused a lot of, uh, um, caused a lot of, uh, mischief and craziness and some, some shakeup in seeing how he's able to run against Chilwell and, and Cesar. So I just didn't like it. <laughs> and, uh, good, good for, for Celis for making it work, but, um, I think he just basically went in there knowing that I wanted a like for like in each of the situation and know that we can't just necessarily play that long ball to, uh, to tall Paul. Uh, and so we're going to have to do, do better through balls and Walcott made a few of them in which we saw with a run on later, uh, later on to Adam Armstrong. Mm. And then the best, the best pass of the day, uh, with him crossing it over the top of two defenders to Mara there where Mara could not finish at the end. No, should have laid that off. Yeah, again, an, another fan favourite, uh, Kevin, Maitland-Niles. Um, he stays in the side, which probably, I don't know, it shouldn't have happened. Maybe maybe Lianco over him, I don't know. Maybe Bree. Um, makes a crucial block on Sterling. Amazing, really, really good. And I don't think Maitland-Niles was bad in this game at all. And I think he should, I think he should win some fans over from this performance. And... But, I mean, is this the togetherness that Sellers is saying? Because everyone's putting a shift in defensively there. And I thought he was OK, to be honest. Yeah, I don't understand um, the criticism of him for this game. I mean, he, he had looked dead and buried before. I mean, I saw him. Is he getting criticism? Um, yeah, no, I hear him being slagged yeah. off all the time. Yeah, I, I do. But I didn't hear it from this match. So, yeah. I, I just... Maybe it was more before the match. But I, I had a lot of criticism during the match. But, yeah, the, the, against it. Lincoln in that cut match, he was he was dog shit. Yeah, but he was, I think yeah. he's definitely got renewed confidence now. Um, he wasn't that bad at centre back in Jones's last game, and um, he certainly wasn't bad at right back. He was, you know, running backwards and forwards. He was, yeah, I mean, he was he was good in possession, but he was getting stuck in challenges and and, and blocking well as well. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. It's, it's an option though for for right back. Uh, yeah, if Walker Peters is, is <laughs> if there's a question mark over his fitness, then it's, it's another option. You're still not not convinced on Bray, are you? <laughs> 
he's not a Southampton player. <laughs> um, <He's dead> <laughs> I think I think that Malin Isle. So uh, offensively, he progressions and he made a lot of great passes and he made mm. a couple really outstanding blocks that were necessary. But if you look at their most attacking threat chances, the big one, and we'll talk, and if we haven't talked about it yet, we should, is when Perot cleared it off the line. But because of, and the reason that that happened was Maitland Niles tried to go over the top and be more too aggressive, and he got shook off the ball. Those were the situations, and there's a couple of them. Their, Their attack came down their left side. Uh, and towards the end of the game. So they found that he was either cheating up too high or there were better chances going that way than Perot was and, um, and well, I guess it was Bernard, but that might just be to the, the, the betterment of Chilwell on the left side playing, who played entire 90 alongside, uh, Murdick, who eventually came in as well. Mm. But I don't think Murdick didn't even do, didn't even do that good of a job. No. So, you know, Mount was on the left. Maybe Maduke came in. To, it was it was decent too, but um, I just don't like overall. It was uh, it was shit on their end too. Not just as much as good as ours, but it was, they were shit on their end. Yeah, we we needed to have that 100% concentration at all times there, but there was still a lot of clumsiness. I think Maitland Nars was was miscontrolling a, a couple of balls there. Um, Bella Kotchak was a little bit reckless. Um, nothing costly, thankfully, but I guess it just added to the drama. Um, but yeah, the the Aspelaqueta injury it was it was it was horrible, wasn't it? Mara was was the culprit with, with the high boot. Obviously, it was unintentional, just, despite all the abuse he's received from the Chelsea fans. Have you seen that that the really? unnecessary comment? Oh my goodness, yeah, awful stuff that you don't want to hear. But completely unintentional. But it was it was bad. I mean, if you look at the replay, he, his back was obviously to Aspelaqueta. He didn't know he was there. He tried the the, the overhead kick and. As for Laqueta doing what a defender should do, and, and getting in the way of it, but it was just it was just one of those freak accidents. Uh, yeah, it just happened, and and um, Saki looked completely distraught as well. Uh, well it's exactly it what happened. you want to see, isn't it? Um, I, I, if you know if you know what I mean, you know if if if, if it was clearly intentional, he would have been not bothered by the incident. But the fact that he no, was, yeah, not with his back to him. I mean, maybe a little bit um, naive to. Um, you know, not expect someone to be there behind him, but uh, yeah, you know, you just you tried the spectacular. There was um, the ball was in the air; it had already come off quite a few heads. It was just like floating about. So for him to to jump up and try try to kick it in the goal, I, I can't blame him. But yeah, it was there to be one, wasn't it? But yeah, it's, it's a tough it's... one. Yeah, as, as soon as you, you know, the the those doctors were just just bombing straight onto the pitch. You know, you, you knew that something something bad was up. There was a, a few chances towards the end. I mean, that that, that one chance we had through the break from Mara, the everyone was busting a gut into, up the field in support. I think Tim just mentioned it as well, and he he kind of messed up. He could have slipped it through to Adam Armstrong at the end, and that would have been two, and that would have been game over at that point. But. Uh... Well, Adam Armstrong would have fucked it up. Or oh, that would have been the case, yeah. He did it, He did it a couple of times, didn't he, in, in this match? Oh, there was one when he took a little bit of a dive, I remember, looking for a penalty. Yeah, one where, where he had, you know, had a bit of time and just um, sticks it straight on, on Kepa's knee. Mm. Yeah, and then the, obviously... Yeah, possibly. 
well, yeah, maybe you should have done. But yeah, uh, and then obviously with the Aspilicueta injury, there was 12 minutes of stoppage time, and that that was unbearable. It's, and I was actually at that point where it was just, I'll take a point. I'll take a point. I, yeah. I, I have to, because you know what happened at Wolves. But the defending was terrific, though. At, at times, you know, the blocks, the positioning, it was just, um, yeah, it's a great, and I'm going to say it again, Celis is, is keyword togetherness, and that, that is exactly what we need right now. Guys, I want your opinion on, on, on Bella Kotchap. It's hard to decide if he was good, lucky, or bad. <laughs> I, I can't quite figure it out, because he was effective uh, when it mattered, but he was reckless at times, uh, just a little bit all over the place, really. And uh, what, what did you make of his, his performance? Good, reckless, uh, bad. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it's all over the place, isn't it? I, can't, yes. I, I cannot figure out if he had a good game or not. It's one of those, it's a really weird situation. But it's much as you want had a better match. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. But wow. again, he, look, he looked a bit reckless at times and a bit all over the place. Not as bad as it was against Wolves, but, you know... <laughs> Normally, Bednarik is one of the first guys that we want to shit on for all of this. So for him to go in, what, 30, 45 minutes into the conversation today that we didn't even mention Bednarik's name, except for the except for the fact that he was the replacement for Salisu is probably a good sign for yeah, it all. Um, so what do you you know, what do you think about who is, you know, who is the solid? I think that um, there was that ten- there was tentativeness is probably what I would describe more than aggressiveness. And so there is tentativeness where he needed to make the situation but didn't go too reckless and into it, uh, which allowed him to be good at times because the confidence level of the Chelsea attackers isn't there, and the bad at times because, well, they also still have talent. So the, the, the rigidity of the back there to allow for an absolute, I mean, can't believe we actually didn't let the goal in this entire game <laughs> was a testament that we we were ultimately lucky because we put ourselves in a place to become and be lucky. Yeah, again, that's a good thing, though, isn't it? it, it, it yes, a, absolutely. There, there's desire there to. I, I, I don't want to keep going back, but it's just kind of like the desire to play for a certain manager and the desire to play a certain way for a manager. Um, Belicotcha has been out for a while as well. So to come back in there again, I mean, Kev, if I was to say to you, what was his marks out of 10 in this game? It'd be difficult, right? Six, six, hard seven. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Cause he didn't do, well, I say he didn't do anything wrong. There was a couple of things that he did that could have led to a Chelsea goal. And if Chelsea were on form, they probably would have punished us, but it didn't. And he got away with it. So certain things he did were fantastic. It's, yeah, again. Yeah, I I mean, he did pick up a yellow really early on. So I think that might have affected his game a little bit. I don't think it did, though, because he was still a bit bit reckless. But yeah, as I say, hung on, hung on for the win. Amazing win and great celebrations from from Ruben Sellers. uh, It was an interesting interview from Prousey at the end as well. He said that Ruben's come in and steadied the ship given us a real mm. calmness and a familiar way of playing. Is that a dig at um, Jones, do you think, Kev? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a veiled <laughs> dig, isn't it? Yeah, um, Not <laughs> particularly heavily veiled, but uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't deny that the, yeah, the situation was absolute dog shit and had yeah. been for months. But yeah, from the start of his tenure, yeah. Yeah, Kev, have you got any stats? Because I, I don't know any of these, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear these. Um, all right, what do you want? 
well, I think Vim had said the possession. Oh, that was possession the first half. It was 49, wasn't it? The first it? half, yeah. By full time, it was uh, 61-39. <laughs> Still uh, kept a clean Chelsea's sheet. Paper. Still kept a clean sheet. <laughs> yeah, it's our first uh, clean sheet. Uh, since, since Bournemouth. Since, since the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It really. was Bournemouth, yeah, it was Bournemouth, yeah. Um, under Rav, yeah, wow. Yeah, um, Chelsea had 17 shots, we had eight, but we both had five on target. XG King, Graham Potter, uh, yeah, got them to 1.55 XG to R0.83. But, yeah, there's only one stat that matters. Yeah, the free kick, that was it, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've 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 gone and done something amazing yesterday. You know, an, un, an unknown manager taking control of a bottom of the league side with no hope, stepping into Stamford Bridge and getting the big three points. You know, but Everton go and win, Bournemouth win at Wolves, and Forest picking mm-hmm. up an unlikely point. You know, we're still bottom. You lose to Leeds, and we'll be four points adrift of them. You take three points, and we could be in for a real fight. So it's 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 interesting. Um, I'm gonna. No, re- it's. It's like a nun's knickers. It's pretty tight down there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to read what Ruben Sellers says uh, at the end of the game. Uh, that feels incredible to come to Stamford Bridge and set the standards that we set today together as a unit, playing together, playing the game, not only defending, but being aggressive in our pressure, playing with the ball in the moments that we needed to play, showing that we can do it together. The feeling was unbelievable. As I said before, if you want to win at Stamford Bridge, you need to have a couple of moments that are going to be on your side. And I think we had it. But I think we also deserve it. It was a really good Southampton that we saw today. Unbelievable work from the boys. I can only be myself and I am always positive. I think they can do amazing things. I think this group of players can do it. They played the way we told them to play. Add their own characters and their own skills into that system. So, yeah, you sense that he truly believes he's the right man moving forward and he truly believes that he can do this. Man of the match, then. I'm I'm going to. Well, I mean, I'm always first to say when Bazunu makes an error. So I think it's only fair to praise him when it's due. And we haven't actually mentioned him today, but he didn't put a foot wrong, did he, really? Um, He looked comfortable throughout. Yes, he had the backing of some brilliant goal line clearances, but not his fault if they had have gone in. or if Bednarik decided to walk it into his own net. But lots of positives um, for the whole team. four saves. He did make four saves, exactly. And then he had five on target. So I want to give some praise to Bazunu there because I don't want to keep shitting on the on the guy. He's still young. Um, but yeah, as I say, lots of positives. But it's going to have to be James Ward-Prowse, isn't it? Because he was just brilliant all round. He looked, looked hungry, had a lot of fight in him. Brilliant free kick, as usual now. Uh, joint most touches, most interceptions, four tackles, 80% pass completion, everything you want from a midfielder and a captain. So, James Will Prowse. Yeah, I mean, I'm very close to giving it to Ainsley Maitland Niles, but um, yeah, I mean, Prowse with one for the wank bank there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't not give it to, to Prowse. It is Ward Prowse, but there is a close second to me, and that man's name is Roman Perot. Oh, okay. Uh, and. One of the things that outside of the the goal line clearance, the strong attitude and just the desire to just the desire to be there. And the man dislocated his finger in the middle of the game 
and played the rest of the entire 90. So when it's, you get something... That's like Franny Bernardi broke his arm in a game and played on. So. Yes. So, I mean, Ward Prowse for the fact that he has such an amazing... and I mean, that's a world, world-class ability. We've talked about that. Best free kick, take, best free kick taker in the world, and then um, all in all, uh, you got to go with him. But man, I, I want to give Perot a massive shout out for everything he did. This is great, though, isn't it? When we're talking about Bazuni being good, we're talking about Maitland Niles, we're talking about Perot, we're talking about Ward Prowse. It's it's a good thing that we're we're struggling. Good problem for. to have. Exactly. Good problem to have. Exactly. But um, I just want to say, uh, Kev and, and Tim, uh, who had the most tackles in this game? Uh, let's go with uh, Bednarik. Maitland-Niles. It was. Maitland-Niles had the most tackles in this game. Who had the most touches? Percy. It was Maitland-Niles. Who had the most blocks? Oh, wow. I'm going to go with Maitland-Niles again. It was Maitland-Niles. Who had the most progressive passes? Uh, it's got to be him. It was Maitland-Niles. Who had the most progressive carries? It's either him or Silimana. No, it was Maitland-Niles. So yeah, those statistics I mean, they might not be, you know, they might not be very very crucial, but and he might not pass the eye test at times, but stats say he had a fucking good game and and some very important blocks. So I, I'm I'm all for keeping him at right back for now. If he's a backup to Ward Prowse, then he's got to be better than James Bree, right? Yeah, I mean you're along, but there's a player in there. It's just you know hasn't been on top of it. Exactly. We uh, next week Saturday the 25th we go to Ellen Road. Uh, against Leeds, three o'clock kickoff. Oh God, this is going to be massive, massive game, isn't it? And in the league, they haven't won since November, and that was a four-three win over Bournemouth. Much like us, you know, really. Hence the position they find themselves in, in relegation favourites and, and, and managerless, but still in the FA Cup. And, and the last five in the league, they drew nil-nil with Brentford, lost one-nil to Forest, drew two-two with United, lost two-one to United. Uh, and then Saturday, of course, they lost one 0 to Everton. So yeah, looking for looking for a, a pickup, but still managerless, of course, as I said. Uh, Rodrigo's the top scorer with twelve goals, and Jack Harrison's got seven assists. But yeah, this this I've said this before this season as well, but it feels like make or break, Tim. And and I, I want to ask you a question before we go into the in, into the into your preview. But we saw that Salisu picked up a knock in training, as, as Keb said. Um, Sellers went with Jan Bednarek, but we picked up our first clean sheet for the first time in, what, 100 years or whatever it is. So is there any reason to change that if Sally is fit? If Salasu is 100% fit, you play him. That's just mm. the, that's just, that's, that's what so I you're think. Going I against, think you're going against the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Correct. Um, you're, you'd think, oh, don't, don't make silly changes, don't go in there. But if he's not 100%, don't play the guy. It's it's that simple. So um, I don't want him. I don't want him playing if I, he he can't put up with put up put up with it. So mm. to me, that's really uh, it's a tough. Yeah, you're right. It's a tough decision. But no, you're not uh, getting paid you, for that. So <laughs> nope, I'm not. <laughs> we can just sit here and criticize it when he makes the wrong decision, and then praise him when he makes the right decision. That's how fickle football fans are. But yeah, um, this this game then leads. Leeds, Leeds, as you just said. <laughs> uh, so all, all in all, uh, sitting in 19th place. So when you talk about it being the most important game, well, you have to beat the teams around you. Uh, I think I've said that maybe 10 times on this podcast now. And you mean like, it, like we, Nottingham Forest and Wolves kind of thing, yeah? 
We need to beat the teams at our at our level. Rotherham United, Yeovil Town, Plymouth Argyle. Yes. <laughs> so is this the biggest game of the year? I mean, every game is a big game, but we need to make an absolute. We need to do something that is going to change it, and we need to win. We need to go out there, and we need to go out, and we need to punch them in the mouth, figuratively, literally, do whatever we need to do. Shit house your way into the game. I don't care. Get that win because if you're able to do that, that puts us at 21 points, and we're still probably going to be sitting in a relegation spot at 21. So, but that means we're right around a couple points with right at, at right at that barrier level where you're bridging into the 17th place. So, you know, are we better than three other teams right now? No, we're uh, we're not. Uh, right, and the scary thing about it is all the matchups we did uh, that were this week. So Bournemouth won. And Everton won, uh, so that only did not put anything in our favor. And it's scary because Sean Dyche is making them look like an actual reasonable team. Um, so back to Leeds. Uh, what are we looking at? So four-two-three-one matchup of a of a manager that I don't even really know who he is. So I looked him up, couldn't find too much about him that really matters to me. So I'm going to look backwards and think, what are the players that that they have? Pascal Struck, Rodrigo, like you said, with 12 goals, which is at fantastic. Anytime you get 10 goals or above, uh, great for him. Rasmus Christensen's looking pretty good. And then also Tyler Adams. So, uh, but when you look at the squad that they played against Everton, I think we match up player for player better than them. Now, as an American, love Tyler Adams. I think he's fantastic. But I think Lavia can get up and match close to him and close to his level. Weston McKinney, let's hope he hasn't found his feet getting into the game because, well, obviously uh, he's been successful at Juventus and uh, been very well play, uh, been very well playing throughout um, the Serie A. Uh, you've got that. Then you've got Jack Harrison. You've got Patrick Bamford. And, uh, you know, who else? Like, so when you look at their lineup that they had against Everton, Bamford, uh, Ganoto, Harrison, Somerville, uh, Adams, McKenney, and then left to right, Furpo, Wolber, uh, Koch, uh, and Ailing, alongside Meslier at the back. So it, we match up better against them in that 4-2-3-1. So who do you need to take out? Who is the key matchup here? Well, if you can find a way to neutralize Tyler Adams, who is their best player right now, that is going to be the best way that you're going to be able to do it. So I don't know if he's a man mark, but he's a CDM with a six, and he's so all over the place. Uh, he's got as much energy and fitness as JWP does. Um, so what do we do? How do we go? So in a 4-4-2, when you're playing against a six or an eight, what you do is you try to uh, you work with the our center, our, our center mid. Then you work with either, if he's on the left side, uh, the left midfielder, uh, on the right side, the right midfielder, and then somebody like Suleimania, who I think if you can drag Adams away from the ball and then you can work yourself around McKinney, you're going to find ex- you're going to be able to expose that back line of leads. So uh, to me, the, those are the key setups. What are we looking to do? I think we stick with that 4-4-2. Um, 4-4-2 baseline. Let's make it work. Let's uh, let's work it out, because I think tall Paul is going to be a huge factor in this game. So we saw that um, while they were, Leeds were able to actually hold themselves in there and they weren't able to make too many breaks, 
uh, or Lee, Everton weren't able to make too many breaks against Leeds. So over the top and getting it past Adams is a great way to do it, but also with um, Sulemania. So uh, I'm going to work front to back now. I want I want Tall Paul and I want Sulemania there. Now I want to I absolutely want the midfield of uh, Lavia and JWP. Uh, I think they were a fanta- fantastic grouping. And then I also want Stu Armstrong in there because I think the way that he plays is fantastic. And I think for that 4-4-2, he is that solid foundation. Now, Elianusi, front to back, I think, and what I would like is a little bit more aggressiveness when it comes to the attack because it is leads and we can do that. So I want Alcaraz in there. Uh, so I want Elkarez for Ilyanusi, and if we need to hold in the game, I think Ilyanusi can be fine as a late uh, as a late uh, field sub. So then left to right uh, in the back now, I want Perot. I want uh, Salisu if he's 100% fit. Otherwise, it's going to be Bednarik. Uh, then I want Belakacha, and then I want uh, Kyle Walker Peters if he's 100% fit. Otherwise, I guess it's going to be Malin Niles. So that's going to be toss up, and then Bizunu in the back. Um, so all in all, what do I think? It's going to be a crazy matchup. I think you're going to see a lot of physicality. I think you're going to see a lot of shit housing, and it's not going to be the prettiest of game, uh, prettiest of games to watch. This is not going to be prime Barcelona. Um, but Tim, you're up first, I believe, for predictions. So what are you going for? I'm going with a one-one draw. Hmm. The only reason I say it like that is because I've gone for the exact same thing. Um, I've got exactly the same thing down, but I'm going to be different and go for a two-one win. And that will take us out of locations. Hooray! Oh, it depends on the other results, though, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. That's my prediction. I like <laughs> it, Kevin. I hope you're right. Um, and speaking of predictions, we're going on to the Discord then. So we've got, uh, from the Chelsea game, we've got Colt Baker and Dan Fox going for Saints wins, uh, which was crazy. Uh, and I, I said so in the Discord. But um, Alex actually went for a 1-0 Saints wins and scoops the max points there. So still not enough to keep uh, Frederick Lazaro off the top spot, though. But, uh, yeah, fantastic uh, prediction from Alex there. Well done. Uh, Super 6. Round 35 was won by Bradley Lloyd with 17 points. Round 36 was won by Paul Beasley with 17 points also. Round 37 is ongoing. I think we're waiting on the West Ham game, and we're waiting on this Man United and Leicester result. Uh, but the overall lead at the moment stands with Kevin Jewell, uh, 323 points. Uh, fantasy football, I have no idea how I got on. How is everything going, chaps? Um, I left Parisi on the bench. Mm. <laughs> That's an idea. Uh, <laughs> so I've only got 21 points. Uh, probably got more on the bench than in the team at the moment. Ah, uh, alas. Um, I got Rashford, so that's that's kind of saved me. The average is only twenty four, so I'm on twenty, which is is still poop. But well, yeah. you're you're actually gonna get um because you captain Mitrovic and he didn't play at all, so yeah. you're gonna get so I'll you're get gonna get Rashford. Rashford yeah, he'll, he'll get twelve at the moment. So you'll be a bonus. Which is nice. Yeah, mm. what? yeah, Mitrovic, captain. I thought, yeah, Haaland's gone off the boil, isn't he? <laughs> and no, he scored. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, not 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 good for me, but still better than you at the moment, Kev. Yeah, probably. Um, Tim, how's his team getting on? Same Everyone's hitting it because uh, because Pope took minus three in the game. Oh, I didn't have Pope, so. <laughs> but I benched Martinelli and Tim Ream, and. Oh, Martinelli scored, have... didn't he? 
Yeah, Martinelli scored right at the end, so the, those are two six six pointers right there. Um, and then Ben Mee, Trippier, and Saliba uh, aren't looking uh, all all hit ones and Shaw's playing right yeah. now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, my my defense at the moment: Martinez at one, Walker on two, Trippier on one, Burn with one, and Saliba with one. So it's just a bog standard one point per player at the moment. Um, well, it's very tight in our pod league. I mean, Oliver Boasters, um, yeah, he's got about a sixty-point uh, lead over uh, Tim, me, and uh, Harry Dizard. Uh Yeah, so I need a couple of points in it. So yeah, all to play for there. Um, in big league, uh, Mar- Marlon Allen is back top of the league as it stands. Uh, Jamie Thorpe and Paul Gilliam make up the top three. Beauty behind that. Just a shade behind, and then yeah, then the rest of the pack. Uh, did I give a manager of the month of January? No, you didn't. No, that uh, was uh, John, John Lee. It's Happy World of Arrivo. Hey, well done, uh, guys. Are you ready for a Where Am I? Uh, are you in the kitchen <laughs> with the uh, lead piping? <laughs> uh, no, I'm in the dining room with a biro. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. Okay, good. That's what I liked him. Right, this one's a bit vague, so I do apologise. I don't have a lot of time to prepare for it. Okay, so this stadium is located 115 miles from St. Mary's. Kevin. Go on, Kevin. St. Andrews. No. Brisbane Road, Leighton Orient. It's not Brisbane Road. Uh, Number two. Tim, you are very close. Well, I say very close. You are closer. That's what I'm going to say. Clue two. In the city of London. That's what you're getting. Um, are you at the valley? I am at the valley. Well done, Kevin. But you didn't say a name. <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the valley from that? It's just a guess. Well, anyway, the third clue was in the southeast of London. Uh, and then the, the fourth clue was currently competing in League One. Uh, the fifth clue was in the borough of Greenwich, nicknamed the Addicts. Now, I'm sure you would have got it from that. But yeah, the answer is the valley. Uh, and that is Charlton Athletic. So, Kevin, that was... That was amazing. I don't know how you did. How many clubs are in London? A couple of dozen, aren't there? Yeah, and you got clubs, yeah. and you got that. So yeah, twelve points, Kev. Anyway, uh, next week we'll go over that important Leeds game, uh, and we have two games to go over. There's two home games actually: Grimsby Town in the FA Cup fifth round, and the Leicester City game. Uh, until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up Southampton. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.